Welcome to the Shutdown Full Cast. Joining you from a Monday. Hey, why are we recording on a Monday? Why is everything so screwed up, Jason Kirk? Apparently it's Columbus Day, um, which I just learned like five minutes ago um, while talking to Spencer and Ryan, but did not learn upon observing my household and discovering my wife and daughter were home on a Monday, even though they're usually not. That's how observant I am. It took someone literally telling me, today is a holiday for me to grasp the <laughs> the, the, the calendar, I guess. Uh, yeah, that and uh, everybody, nobody has childcare today, basically. So <laughs> that's that's why everything is late and everything is bad, because we have the blessings of children and family. Because remember, this is the shutdown dad cast, and we are now all subject to the weather of great dadding i.e. waking up this morning to literally both kids beating on me. And the oldest going, Daddy, you sound like a drum. And the youngest going, <laughs> that's how I woke up with four little hands. Not going subtle, by the way. Going hard. Like going hitting me as hard as they possibly could. So those, I are, woke up, those are two strong boys. I still <laughs> One's like a whip, one's like a hammer. And that's how I you, woke up. I'm gonna call you Big Timpany from now on. Yeah, that's uh, I'm Big Timpany. Tune me up, because I wake up, I wake up being human taiko drummed. So that's why everything's late here on the internet's least coordinated college football I, I, podcast. I, so I would say you woke up and you immediately knew what it felt like to be the Texas defense. This is a quality segue. This is exactly what you pay for. Well, I, I was going to say, um, he's got a big drum, so we found another thing Spencer has in common with Purdue. Wow. That's, wow. Yeah, that's it. Somewhere between 200 and 700 pounds. What, what's, even, what's even better is that I could, be, I could be equally convinced to start with the Red River Shootout or Purdue, Illinois. I could go either way with this. They kind of went about the same. <laughs> No, I'd say Purdue, Illinois had more intrigue. <laughs> it it yeah. did have a triple icing of a kicker. So um, that's all right. So we're starting with Purdue, Illinois. I agree. Great. <laughs> Daryl, Daryl, no, Darryl, no, no. This is a grand veto. We can't. I'm not even going to entertain this oh, joke. You fucking Daryl, Daryl Hazel saved up all his timeouts for the end and then cashed them in all at once, and the shit worked. Here, the Illinois kick missed. And then uh, Purdue won in overtime after Lovey countered with only one icing. That might get it done in the NFL, Lovey. That ain't going to cut it here in the Big Ten. I mean, you I, gotta wouldn't, say, I wouldn't it, say it, Lovey got it done in the NFL, but point taken. He attended a Super Bowl, sir. <laughs> and I, I'm sure he single iced many a kicker along the way. But here in the Big Ten, those roads have to be just glazed with a foot of ice to, Spen- to really to really get it done. Spencer, let me let me give give me one chance to draw you back into this game. With All right. this with this win, Purdue has a better record than Notre Dame. Are you there now? Uh, Are you there let, now? Let, let me let me let me add a little something. Um the Woo. four FBS teams in the state of Indiana, here are the ones with better records than Notre Dame. Indiana, mm. Purdue, Ball State. How many, how many, how many FBS schools are there in Indiana? There are four. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so Notre Dame is in Notre Dame is in last. You're saying Notre right? Dame You're... is last in the Indiana standings. Oh my. Okay. Can we talk Christ. about what Colts' record is though? Sweet yeah. Well, they're, they're fighting for they're fighting for the Ranch Bowl state trophy. I 
would like to point out, by the way, that uh, Brian Kelly is just absolute garbage right now. I don't know about consistent garbage. They got enough things piling up where I go, oh, look, you got a proper dumpster fire of a human being there. Right? I don't know him personally. Let's point that out. We don't know. I mean, none of us hang out with Brian Kelly, right? I, I'm, oh, I'm no. asking. Oh, I, no? I, I don't like to brag about it. No, no, I don't. No. Okay, cool. Meaning you do, but you're going to protect it. That's okay. You're friends. I understand this. You were at Grand Valley State together. Mm-hmm. The cradle of all fine football thought. That's why we have you on this podcast. Yeah. L- little known, right, in addition to being a uh, an attorney at one time, Ryan Nanny. Tight ends coach. Yeah, quality control person and tight ends coach under Brian Kelly at several stops, including <laughs> Cincinnati, which is why he has such an affection for that delicious diarrhea on a shovel they call Skyline <laughs> Chili. Wow, that I should end this. I should end this Skype call right now, but I'm going to be a good teammate and keep going because you just you just did the Brian Kelly thing and threw me under the bus. Uh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, physician, heal thyself. Oh boy. Um, yeah, but yeah, this is this is this is Brian Kelly in reaction to uh, Notre Dame. Which, by the way, I want to ask again: what, what did they do this weekend in my favorite game? They they threw the ball a lot in some very sloppy conditions. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not even just a lot; it's the percentage because okay. Notre Dame only got in a, in a driving rainstorm, right? Basically, playing in a tropical storm level of weather. They didn't get many plays. They only got, I believe, sixty four plays total on the day, and out of those sixty four, they passed twenty six times. Now that may seem judicious let me remind you they were playing in a tropical storm with standing water on the field which the field held up by the way like shouts out to nc state's like like greenery department turf turf management yeah turf management i was told this is my favorite thing by the way if you talk about like a specific school's uh weird area of expertise and or non-liberal arts area of expertise people will accost you congratulate you and want you to know as much as possible about those. Like on Twitter, I was like, oh man, the field looks great. And I got like 10 people who, who immediately like, we have a great, great grass development program. It's amazing. We make the best golf courses. It's like when you mentioned Texas A&M and meat. Everybody goes, yeah, we got a butchery. Here's our, here's meat science. Like you'll get 15 people who are like, come on down. We'll give you a dead cow. But then, like you, get, then you get UC Davis fans in your mentions and you don't want that. Oh, listen! You get competing. You get Penn State going. Well, we got a creamery too. You get a You get like Mississippi State bowling in there. Like, yeah, well, we do pig real well. We got a whole pork sciences program. I learned so much just from people getting super enthusiastic about their cow killing programs. Anyway, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Notre Dame might want to consider a grad program in snap physics at this point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, or beef. Or, or or like nautical engineering because this is the second straight in the year in a row that they've had to play an ACC game in a literal hurricane. It's like mm-hmm. the ACC's um, hazing process or something. They, the, the, the kids from Indiana have to go play in Atlantic Coast hurricanes. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love it though because not only was this disaster viewing, like fantastic football in, in the sense of I like watching people attempt to execute a game under the worst possible conditions. It was also great because NC State's entire game plan was, we're going to wait for someone else to make a mistake. That someone else being Notre Dame. That was it. They played this like it was 1939 uh, Texas Tech 
versus uh, I believe Presbyterian was that the the game that oh, featured yeah. 30, 39 punts with I think twenty six of them on first down or something just just a, a an Centen- embarrassment it, of a game yeah yeah in case that was nineteen thirty nine Texas v Centenary okay it, where in a driving storm with horrible rain both teams punted seventy seven times sometimes on first or second down. And just hoping for people to make a mistake. That was NC State's game plan, and that happened. That was exactly how they ended up scoring. That was exactly yeah. how they, <laughs> they ended up winning this game. These the score was, combined... was it a block punt run back or something like yes, that? Yeah. A yep. flub, flub a, snap? A, I think something. it was a drop snap. Uh, these teams went a combined 3 of 29 on third down. God, it was great. And every time, I, my favorite, defensive lineman scrambling for fumbles. <laughs> oh, it's it's so rich. It's just like seals hitting the beach, right? Or penguins on ice <laughs> on their belly. God, it's beautiful. Um, and this... now we now we are faced with the prospect of is Notre Dame going to make a bowl game? And it, but but the flip side is who is going to suffer? Who left on the schedule is going to suffer a loss to a really embarrassing. Uh, mismanaged Notre Dame team and have to feel the shame of it at this point because at this point huh. it's just Syracuse and Nevada and both of them are probably fine with it on balance. Yeah, let me give you. Whew, let, let's just let's roll through a lot of these. Uh, let's roll through that rest of that schedule because there are some there are some really legitimately at this point Notre Dame could just hope to ruin someone's season. Yep, and they've got many opportunities to do this. Because everyone else on their schedule, save for their next opponent, is having a great season. Stanford, my beautiful forestry Stanford. Oh, my, oh, my we'll, alpine. We'll get, we'll get to them. God damn it. <laughs> it's my fault, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is your fault. You got on board, and you immediately... Um... I must champ them. I turned them into a must champ team. Well, no, their defense isn't that good. Never mind. It's not my fault. Uh, yeah, I would, uh, I don't know everything that's wrong with Stanford other than they appear to have a wasting disease. <laughs> it's not a tapeworm. I'm fine. Um, uh, yeah, but I don't even know if, if the, the nice part for Notre Dame was the ugliness of that game was so clearly overshadowed by, I mean, let's just get this one out of the way. Michigan Rutgers. Oh Yeah. Yeah, man, I want to devote like I want to devote like an hour to that. This is a three-hour podcast. <laughs> that's today. that's well, more think. that's more time than Rutgers <laughs> devoted to that game. <laughs> yeah, th- this game it was so bad that this was happening at the same time as Florida State Miami. Um, possibly the actual like best game of the weekend in terms of quality and not lasting five hours. Because, you know, the A&M Tennessee was good, but it, it lasted five hours. Yeah. Um, FSU-Miami was good, important, stakes, everyone knows the rivalry, all that stuff. More people on the timeline were watching Michigan-Rutgers. Yeah. Which, which Rutgers had six yards for until, like, the fourth quarter. Because anyone, like, everyone will turn out for a house fire, right? It was, hey, I, I think that I think the Thompson's house is on fire. Let's go down the street. But this wasn't Let's even a, this is like a house fire if the fire department showed up and started spraying the house with gasoline. Yeah, this was this was this was like Crassus in Rome when when he would go and set a house on fire and then you would pay him to put the house out. <laughs> right? That was Harbaugh 
and Rutgers said no. Right? It, Rutgers it, had it, their house it, set it, on fire. They're like, yeah, that's too expensive. We to won't pay. <laughs> we won't it's pay that. a dime. But your Rutgers and the Big Ten checks haven't started fully rolling in yet. <laughs> You're still like, didn't they scrap? Yeah. No, that was Maryland scrap sports yeah. to get in. Rutgers just broke two dumb scrap sports. Yeah, exactly. They're just running. The, they're running this into the ground. You know how those Yankees do business. They're so smart. I think. The... I think what is most confusing to me about this game <laughs> is that Michigan had more points than plays run, which is fucking hard to do. Yeah, no, they broke. This is one of those games where they break math, right? And they did it in a real good way. It's oh, the carnage of this is. Where, where I mean, Rutgers has one guy who can catch passes for what? This is two weeks in a row that Rutgers has had a receiver with catches in a game. That's right, Juwan Harris. Juwan Harris can't do it all by himself, y'all. Juwan Harris. Had... Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, ah, yeah, well, let's let's come back to this. I want to go through with Notre Dame, by the way, rest of their schedule to, to figure out a how they get bowl eligible, and we okay. just said that. Okay. Uh, B, uh, if they can ruin someone's season, and man, they really could, because there's some people having real good years on here, including a couple that honestly, like, I don't want them to beat at all. I, I would like them to lose badly to like Army. Army's on this schedule. Now Army's having a good year for Army. They're not going. By the way, they're not going to lose to Army, and if they do lose to Army, they should fire Brian Kelly. They, somebody oh, should well, is, think, should will you know, not enter the equation at that point. I think yeah. you don't beat Navy and Army. <laughs> you got to pick one of those to lose to. Now that's the thing. I mean, here, Navy because... Navy just beat Houston. We all thought Navy would fall off. Uh, whoops. Uh-uh. Nope. They're, they're, yeah. Navy's good again. Yeah, that and remember, if the triple option is working, you can't do anything. It's just if you're not Houston had one of those nights with the triple option where uh, they really should have understood the math and it just just wasn't happening. Yeah, you get, you get you get you get heads or tails coin flip on whether the option is going to work when you play two option teams. The math is against you. Yeah. So uh, Stanford, who is deplorable at this point as a football team, they, they probably could win that game. I don't want to assume too much, but probably do. You probably don't want to watch this game. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Versus um, Miami. You get Miami in Notre Dame. Uh, Miami, I know they just lost to Florida State. Uh, they're probably still a more together team at this point. Yeah. That's I my mean, guess. Sure. I mean, this is a, this is close to a toss-up. I just give Miami a slight edge. I think uh, the, the tricky part, of, I mean, Miami will have a decent amount of rest coming off that because they, uh, they have a Thursday night game at Virginia Tech nine days before that said they might you know they might come out of that virginia tech game super beat up also uh miami uh just dismissed a freshman wide receiver today for repeated violations of team rules so things are going pretty mark ricked in south florida right now this is the the combo of mark ricked losing control which is the code word for Mark Rick establishing control mm-hmm. because the internet that meets the U is back. The so U it's like is perfect back. combo. Notre Dame's losing that game. I like yep. to imagine. I like to imagine that Mark Rick picked up every piece of trash that Miami fans threw out in the field after the uh, at the end of the game. Um, I, I I love by the way that that even happened that Miami fans <laughs> so, so angry so, they immediately so proud been, of them. I know immediately being hurling those aluminum. Bud Bud Light torpedo bottles, right? Like um, <laughs> over like a totally fine call. That was the best part. The uh, call was fine. 
<laughs> but they're so mad they filled the end zone with garbage and delayed the game. Uh, speaking of Virginia Tech, yeah, they're they're also on Notre Dame's schedule after that Army game on November 12th. And they That's looked, bad. They looked very good beating they UNC. They, they, yeah, also in rain, by the way. Like, yep. I feel like you have to grade that game on a curve because they, they kicked some ass and they did it in horrendous conditions. They ran the ball 66 times. Yeah, compare these two teams, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, who play in a, a month or so. They played in the same weather, similar conditions. Notre Dame scored three points. Virginia Tech scored what, thirty-five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 30, thirty-four, I think. Thirty-four, yeah. thirty-up. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so ten times better than Notre Dame in awful conditions. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So what we're saying is that if they play this in a hurricane, then we're going to get uh, a ninety to four game, ninety to six, no, something like that. Stick with four. Stick with four. It's more interesting. Four. Okay, yeah. good. And then they play USC, who two weeks ago I would have told you this game might be a Notre Dame win. Uh, Darnold's coming along at quarterback. USC's not playing bad football. They're the second or third best team in the Pac-12 right now. Um, it, it really depends on the week, man. Like, yeah. Some, yeah. Sometimes Utah looks really good. Sometimes Cal looks really like there are a lot of it. It is really sort of just a rotating cast of. Like, hey, who wants to be good in the Pac-12 this week? We're sort of. I mean, it's like or, it's like a youth <laughs> soccer team, and it's like everybody gets a win. Okay, we're making sure everybody gets a win and gets invited to the pizza party. Nobody's getting left behind. Even Oregon State, you get one. We promise the parents. Yeah, all we know is Arizona is not in that group. Well, That's there the, is that. the only thing we know about the Pac-12. Hey, uh, <laughs> maybe Rich Rod should have taken the South Carolina job. Just gonna throw uh, that out there. Let, let's not go that far. Okay. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what? I'd be a hell of a lot more interested in South Carolina football right now if he had. Um, I would too because they hired somebody who I I don't need to watch. I mean, I, uh, to be frank, I don't know if I need to watch that at all ever. Like until they fight. Like I just that's not. I'm, I'm losing words. Because <laughs> you're I'm getting to that map. Your speech pattern is turning into a South Carolina drive at this point. We're just like, all right, there's two words. All right, three words there. Yeah, Spencer's going to punt on this sentence. Yep. I punt. Close, yeah, close enough. Good job. Talk. Good job. I punt. Um, if you want to stay – all right, so to round out the Notre so, – so we've listed all the Notre Dame opponents left on the schedule. Given that they've already lost to a Michigan State team that really looks bad after losing to BYU – uh, a Duke team that, as we remind you, lost to UVA. Uh, NC State has a decent record this year, and is sort of, I, I still, is maybe in that TBD category. And, oh, right, the opening loss to Texas, which, uh, how'd they do this weekend? Um, that would be Texas losing. They covered. They covered. I mean, they, co- they covered. And remember, champions cover. Good, good. <laughs> Good teams win. Great I mean, teams cover. I mean, uh, I, uh, you say they covered, but I also watched what uh, <coughs> Oklahoma was able to do in the passing game. So I strongly disagree with that argument. Oh, yeah, they got they have a they have a fully functional D.D. Westbrook, and that's <laughs> it, it. It almost there were points in that game where it was like, oh, Oklahoma's just playing five hundred at this point, and the only hope Texas's secondary has is that <clears throat> um, they yell cherry bomb. And the wide receiver doesn't hear it and catches it anyway, which means it's a turnover. Communication issues, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Can um, I tell you? Can I tell you something? By the way, just merging this with something that just came across the Twitter timeline. If you wonder, uh, looking at Oklahoma, this is just going to postpone people being pissed off at, at Stoops. That's all this does. Sure. Because Oklahoma is going to blow another couple of games down the road, largely because they can't defend either. It's it's kind of illusory what you saw. 
in the Red River uh, rivalry shootout. I know that's that's a shock to everyone who's familiar with the completely random and irrelevant results of this rivalry across a long historical span. But the real problem with Oklahoma is that they can't defend. And uh, who's the coordinator? That'd be Mike Stoops, who's Bob Stoops' brother. My favorite thing in college football, when you hire someone in the family and then have to fire them. This is the second funniest scenario because this is someone's brother. It's not your dad. Because remember, Lane Kiffin did that. <laughs> Lane That's Kiffin. why Lane Kiffin's a winner. Yeah, we, we, we overlook this. Lane Kiffin fired his dad <laughs> and had to. We're not like I don't even want to like get too like mean about it because sometimes you got to fire dad. <laughs> it's like a, it's, it's like a, isn't that a Buddha thing? Like he yeah. he, he says meet, like meet to... meet meet the dad, fire the dad. <laughs> <laughs> right? They, yeah, there's there's some there's some something Buddha said along those lines, and and, I mean, and, and the Buddha. I think you're they, thinking, they I think thinking of Star of Wars, but it's the same thing. Yeah, sure, all the same, all the same shit. Um. Should we go back to Michigan Rutgers? Uh, <laughs> I feel like really mind this. I feel like yeah, that's like mind this vein enough. Well, what Michigan Rutgers is is it's like the toxic waste dump that we can only go in for five minutes at a time, but we're going to keep going back and we'll taking more samples. Yeah. It's it's this 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 is the Chernobyl of 2016 college football, where we're like, wow, there's some super fucked up animals that resulted from this Michigan Rutgers game. Nobody mm-hmm. can live nobody can live in Rutgers football for 30 years, but man, you get some really somber pictures from this that'll look great. Um, on Shutterstock. As soon as this game ended, we put up the 15 (laughs) most disgusting stats from this game. Um, Let me just run through a few. 78-point margin was the worst in a game uh, involving two FBS teams of this millennium. That's per the sports reference database, which only goes back to 2000, meaning it is uh, among any game that the public can search, it is the worst FBS loss ever. There have been worse, but... It, let's yeah, see. Rutgers this... had six yards of offense in the first half. Oh, at one <laughs> which point, ESPN said was the fewest in two full years. The previous game was Wake Forest, Boston College. Rutgers didn't get a first down until the fourth quarter. Michigan had as more touchdowns than Rutgers had uh, first downs. Um, <coughs> yep. Mich- Michigan's fullbacks had four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just—it was like a layup line of fullbacks. Um. Yeah, R- Rutgers completed two passes. Rutgers pointed sixteen times, which was number two on the all-time list of Michigan opponents. Um, the previous number two, I think, was a nineteen thirty-eight game against Chicago, which stopped playing football like the next year, which Rutgers might want to do. But just, just, a, just a sampling of the numerical carnage there. Carnage there. It's just. This was this was my favorite sort of live event that people tuned into because people were again just bird dogging and pointing to it as in you need to go see this you need to see this happening and when i turned it on it it lived up to everything that was advertised michigan's defensive linemen started in the backfield i don't know how i know they lined up but before the whistle even started they were in the backfield rutgers running the ball on first and second and often third down just trying to get out of this situation punching themselves in the face to knock themselves out to get out of the fight that was that was rutgers and if you if you've never been on a team that's lost like this in anything and and most teams haven't 
No, no, most, no, most, no people, <laughs> most of us, as unathletic and sad as we are, have not experienced this level of ass whooping. Most FCS teams have never had this happen. God. This was if Michigan played a Division two team. There's no guarantee Michigan would I mean, win by hey, 78. Maybe, maybe that's the way to think of this. Maybe you think of it not so much as Rutgers joined the Big Ten as Rutgers became the Big Ten's permanent FCS game and gets paid accordingly. I think Rutgers joined the Ivy League. God, they, they wish. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. This is... This is brutal. This is just it makes me it makes me really concerned for what Jim Harbaugh would do given like an ounce of police power. We can I, never uh, Yeah, no. Jim Harbaugh no. <laughs> Harbaugh should not be trusted with any level of power above what he currently has. Yeah. And frankly, frankly, it may be too much right now. I think football was worth it being invented, and all of the bullshit it's generated was worth it. Um, just, just to just si- silo him in a relatively safe environment. Years later, it would contain Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> We've got yeah. him quarantined. Never let him escape. Because, like, imagine Jim Harbaugh with access to a nightstick and a uh, a warrant database. Personally, just, personally, just, uh, trying to apprehend every suspect <laughs> himself. Just, just horrifying. Jesus. I do, uh, yeah, I do want to salute Rutgers, by the way, for surviving. Like, literally, I'm, I'm very proud of Rutgers because they were not openly crying. They were in some state of endurance and noble defeat that I hope to never understand. I don't want to get this kind of knowledge. But I do respect those who have it. Again, five yards passing. Um, so can we talk about the game that I still don't know what to take away from, really? Oh, yeah. And that would be Texas A&M Tennessee. Uh, mm-hmm. 45-38 yeah. in double overtime. And I keep going back and forth as to, like, whether whether to take away more positives for Tennessee or for A&M or who sort of blew who sort of got lucky to win this game because there are really compelling arguments on either side and I don't and I can't settle on it and it just sort of feels like there was something fitting about this game ending ending in double overtime with Tennessee making an unnecessary like a kind of a stupid turnover because that was basically the margin of difference between these two teams I think I don't know. I honestly like, have no read on this. While watching this game, I thought, okay, you know, this is finally the game where uh, Tennessee is unlucky. A and M is lucky to be, you know, to have built this cushion and lucky to hold on to it and all that. But upon further review, I mean, this was Tennessee playing how Tennessee has played all year. It just right. finally came back to haunt them. Like they led the country in fumbles. So when they lose all those fumbles, you can't go and say, "Oh, well, we finally got unlucky." No, you finally got your ass caught. And these you know, were these were particularly the you were brutal. getting away with finally came, you know, finally uh, had consequences. So I mean, this was Tennessee playing a Tennessee game, just without the uh, you know without all the breaks going their way. It also yeah, felt and like still, every and still it, it took it took uh, all those bouncing into A and M hands who still had three turnovers of, turnovers of their own for it to even make it to overtime. It, it's, oh, yeah. It, I, it felt like every turnover Tennessee had was the most brutal form. Like, there was no, oh, it's third and 28, and you threw an arm punt. 
all of all, every turnover felt like, oh, this guy's running in the open field and he's at the eight and oh, now he fumbled and oh, you just found a man over the middle and nope, bounced off his hand somehow, went for like they were all the most consequential version. All turnovers suck, but there are definitely some that you can just say, well, you know, that didn't really change a lot in terms of what could have happened in this game. And it felt like every Tennessee turnover, obviously, including the last one, were all major swings in terms of likelihood of victory. Well, I, I actually, let me be the dissenting voice here. I, okay. I get, I get this game. Everything here seems, all right, everything save one thing seems totally comprehensible, and even then I can condition it because this is a Texas A&M team that runs the ball better than it passes it, which is mm-hmm. weird, but that's where they're at. And they did that. They ran for 300-plus yards. Right. Actually, hell, 353. They ran the hell out of the ball. So that makes sense to me. Uh, Trevor Knight made, you know, decent plays in the passing game. He also threw two picks. That makes sense to me. They got a buttload of yards on Tennessee. Well, that makes sense because Tennessee, if you don't notice, and if you happen to be picking them for further advancement, Tennessee's losing a, a basically a half a layer of their depth chart a game. They are just piling up injuries. Yeah, it's, now, it's World War One levels of, uh, of attrition. Attrition at this point, it's not great. Yeah, and, and I mean that, but that and that that seems to be that that's the part that amazes me. Uh, Bob Shoup doing an outstanding job with very few moving parts. Malik Foreman being like a player who alternately made huge mistakes in this game and yet came away playing really well in the end. So, and, and he's coming on. Uh, not, it wasn't even a full-time starter at the beginning of the season um, in, in the defensive secondary. So I, I get that. I also get, by the way, d- the other thing was Texas A&M's defense gave up a horrendous amount of yardage. Like, like it just they gave up, I believe, six hundred and er, six eighty-four. They gave up a massive amount of yardage. Well, Tennessee happens to be really good on offense and getting better. And Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs is so underrated. Like, if you see that number and you go, "Oh man, Texas A&M's defense wasn't all that." I mean, I would understand that if you had not watched Josh Dobbs and you had not watched the trajectory that he's been on, particularly in terms of getting out of the pocket, checking tackles, and making things happen downfield. He's also thrown across the middle of the field pretty well, thanks to play action and having a decent run game. They did all of this without Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd didn't even make the trip. Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara was a beast in this game. Yeah, it it, it was interesting seeing them forced to go from Hurd to Kamara, who is their superior running back and has been for at least a year now. But they like to lean on the you know the the steady four yards a carry guy. But you know other than like a fumble or two, Kamara was you know a lot like Malik Foreman, a player who made like a glaring mistake or two, but just had an amazing game. And um, Vernon Gary kept pointing this out, but he he has like this. Um, minor Barry Sanders quality of being able to just keep a run going, whether it's sticking a hand down, finding his balance along the sideline. He did that against, uh, in a previous game. Uh, was it against Florida along the sideline? Uh, yes, uh, yes, it was, it was against yeah, Florida. Just, just an amazing player when it comes to stringing a play along like a, like a Tony Hawk combo. And, and Josh Dobbs is kind of like that as well, you know, through two picks. Um, and two the, fumbles. the efficiency wasn't quite there, but I thought this was his best game of the year. You know, even throwing two picks in a loss, ran well through, you know, through three, <laughs> 398 yards on the road against against a five star defense. Caught a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Caught a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. If you're yeah. into that. Yeah. The, the other thing here, too, is when you look at defensive numbers in a game like this, with both offenses running at least some hurry up, 
not consistent hurry up, but doing that from time to time and being productive, your defensive numbers are going to bloat. You, you have to be concerned more about efficiency and, you know, and, and, you know, your yards per play yards per play. You did get up there. It's like 6.9. But point being, this all makes sense to me. This is a game between two evenly matched teams who with some wrinkles are pretty similar offensively in terms of what they have at quarterback and where their strengths are, i.e. running back, and in terms of having good wide receivers. This do, is. Do you have any confidence in either one? Because th- these are Alabama's next two opponents. Do you have any oh, yeah, confidence yeah, no, that I, either one yeah. of them can beat Alabama? No. Yeah, and, and if I'm just betting numbers, yeah. this is without getting too, without getting too fictional, you have to think Texas A&M is the one to do that because Texas A&M, they don't have the injuries that Tennessee right. has. Right. You can get psychological about it and say, well, Tennessee is the rival and they've got, you know, this history and they've got, sure, that's cool. They, they, they might not have the bodies. And frankly, and, and Bama the- is not the team that you don't want to have the bodies against. Right. Because remember, even if Alabama has a bad day, they've got way more insurance against a bad day than you do. Now, I will also say everyone can turn the ball over four or five times in a game or seven if you're Tennessee and given enough time. And Alabama hasn't really done that yet. Alabama has a lot of ways to make up for mistakes, but it's very hard to overcome turnovers. Like Tennessee committing seven turnovers and almost winning this game is statistically one of the more astonishing things you will see all season. Did either of you watch Alabama, Arkansas? Because I'll be honest and say I skipped it entirely based on based on the opening quarter and what everybody on Twitter was saying about like, yeah, just don't bother with this one. Yeah, unnecessary. I, I watched the second half on replay late, late, late Sunday or early, early, early Sunday morning. And it's pretty much what you have come to expect from this team that even offensively, if they're not picking you apart, that you'll make a mistake and defensively they'll tear you a new one. You know, Austin Allen, Austin Allen threw for 400 yards on this team. And I just, you look at that and think there's room here. I know you got out early. I know that you called the dogs off, right? You're Alabama. Do you ever really call the dogs off? Do you ever really try to get out of there? I, I just don't think so. I, I think this is a team that you can still pass on. I think fundamentally that's Alabama's weakness just by design. That's like that's how their offense, that's how their defense works. So you got to pick up, you got to pick on the secondary, and you got to try to move the ball, get your quarterback out of the pocket, and make some things happen. Austin Allen, by the way, also threw three TDs. He did a pretty good job. He's going to be really good. You know, they they got behind early, yeah. But they ended up playing, I think Arkansas ended up playing reasonably well. They didn't run the ball at all, but remember what Alabama's supposed to stop? The run. That's what they like to do first, and they do yeah, a real it, good job of it. I mean, Bama had a 100-yard pick six here. Even if you take uh, that away, they still win. But let's just say for the sake of argument that you take that away and then it's only a five-point win. Pretty impressive, pretty impressive day by Arkansas, I'd say. I, I, in a 19-point loss. But the most yep. impressive thing that happened was an Arkansas professor arrested for disorderly conduct and public intoxication because, mm, he, started, gonna, because he started cursing out Brett Bielema. I was going to say Minka Fitzpatrick being the best wide receiver on the field, but you're correct. Yeah. You're right. I'm wrong. Um, Arkansas, I mean, I know this isn't a preview episode, but uh, boy, it, it it could turn dark for Arkansas pretty quick. And the whole November thing... Uh, Let's. I don't know. He's they. Their next game. They, they host Ole Miss, which continues to look very extremely competent on offense, at least. Then they go to Auburn, which 
Auburn very quiet. Like Gus Malzahn very quietly. It was just like, yeah, let's just uh, throw some ice cubes on this hot seat. Okay, everything's fine. And then they go, they host Florida, which at that point, maybe Florida's healthy and good. Although, again, all of this, I I feel like when we're talking about SEC schedules moving forward, all of it should be subject to, unless the SEC decides to play some amazing game of uh, Chinese checkers with the schedule at this point. Which yeah. that brings us to uh, LSU-Florida, which was um, pretty unmemorable, I thought. Um, yeah, mo- both not, teams didn't really show a lot on offense. Not a, not a lot on offense. I thought I thought they both defenses did a really good job. LSU obviously um, was ambitious in its traveling, you know, but didn't really make it very far. It was disappointing. I, I was I was really disappointed. Just, just staying in one place. I was really disappointed in the Florida crowd, to be honest. Like I felt like they weren't they weren't there. They didn't really get into the game. And and that's and what's the point of of having a home game at the swamp if you're not going to you know get that noise and get that passion going on? It was it was totally dead. Yeah, I thought it was I, the, the best day for uh, the best day for Florida special teams since that that Idaho game a couple years ago. With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I also thought you know what Ed Orgeron, I I think he's I think he might get that job. Team just seems to be up for him playing real well. I they they just. You know, they they did it. They just seemed composed. They, I hear what you're saying, but on the other hand, you know, Florida still still has a very clear path to win the SEC East. That's 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 a little too silly, even for this program. Ryan. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, let's talk about let's talk about some of these other Pac-12 games real quick. Um, Oregon, you got. Boy, you got Count of Monte Cristo. That's what happened here. <laughs> Chris uh, Peterson was, was, was <laughs> yeah, he clawed his way out of that island prison <laughs> in, in Boise. How's that an island? That's what the blue on the field signifies, water. Uh, yeah. Like when, when, like when a goose goes in and, and sits on their field <laughs> thinking it's in a lake. <laughs> That was Chris Peterson for years. He didn't realize the field was he could he could just leave. He thought he was stuck. You're, you're, you're telling me there's water elsewhere? Yeah. That's it. Was um, Chris Peterson moving to that was Washington bodies pitch. of water. They showed him, look, you can, from our stadium you can see actual water. The biggest ocean in the world. Whoa. Just uh so <laughs> Chris Peterson just absolute yokel. That's yeah. That's you guys you guys got a you guys got a beach? Yeah, it's where the land meets the water. It's amazing. Huh? I can leave. Can so, I drive a Can I drive a boat to work? By the way, remember that Steve Sarkeesian used to brag about driving a boat to work. It's <laughs> um, safe. So Oregon gives up over eight yards a carry. They Jake Brown, Jake Browning finishes with as many touchdowns as incompletions in this mm-hmm. game. That'd be six, six. This this Oregon's so bad right now. Like, so, 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 so bad. Washington scored at least two touchdowns in every quarter of the game. They outscored Oregon in every quarter of the game. This, it was, I, I don't I don't even, Washington only faced nine third downs in the entire game. And they converted five of them. It, this yeah. is just, it, it, it doesn't have the same level of uh, savagery that Rutgers Michigan has. But 
Oregon's not Rutgers. I was just going to point out the, the, the connection there. Uh, Brady Hoke's current defense gave up <laughs> 70 points. Brady Hoke's old team scored 78 points. Jeez. And uh, you're, you're, he'll, you're he'll, appro- be hired. he'll be hired uh, again somewhere else soon. Your appropriate Brady Hoke swing there was, uh, a neg- is, what, 148, <laughs> 148 points? 148 points. <laughs> 148 points. You quantified the Brady Hoke difference. 148. In, in one week. In, in one week. We. My, my uh, favorite part of this game was the photo, I think it was by the Seattle Times, of Jake Browning running into the end zone and pointing, pointing directly in an Oregon player's face with no retribution whatsoever. Oregon just knows, okay, you're dad again. This, uh, the 90s are back. Okay. We're dressed yeah. up like Cal. Um, you want to play the same game for Oregon? Can they make a bowl game? Well, I mean, the Pac-12, of course, every game is a coin flip, if, right. as long as it doesn't involve Washington or Arizona. Um, or Washington playing Arizona going to overtime? That's the or, weirdest or, result or, yet. Or maybe Washington State. I will maybe throw Washington State in there. Uh, if, if it's if it's not an FCS game, yes, correct. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen, Boise State is a full-fledged FBS member, sir. I, this is my maybe my favorite. Uh, you know, those developments early in the season that later turn out to mean nothing, like Texas-Notre Dame. The even better are the nothing results that turn out to mean a lot. Because, like, what if it's Boise State versus Houston for the New Year's Bowl and we look up and... Huh, Washington State's ranked ahead of Oklahoma. Oh, oh, here's well, my favorite. Yes, here, Boise State had a tougher schedule. <laughs> here's my favorite possible outcome. Boise State goes undefeated. Washington State wins the Apple Cup and wins the Pac-12. And now Boise State gets to say, hey, we beat a Power 5 champ. Yep. I mean, at this point, Boise State 13-0 in the playoff. Shit, they beat a 10-win Washington State team. Oh, and, and just just a word, a word of praise. If you actually, you know, if you're a Boise State fan, if you're watching that, you go, uh, you know, has anyone noticed how good we actually are? Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you, well, watch that offense. That I mean, offense it's, it's, right now. It's literally just you who's noticed. but It's just it's just me. No one else has noticed this. They're just like, oh, Boise's good. Brett Rippon? Brett Rippon looks so good right now. Just comfortable, clicking away, just moving them gears, twirling that sheen, not, not forcing anything. Threw five TDs against New Mexico. Only seven incompletions, 21-28. He was just, they're good. They just move. They just, ah, they just please me when they watch. It was, and you get the same feeling, by the way, watching Washington. It's not different. Those two offenses aren't really dissimilar in terms of what they do. I don't think they're particularly explosive. They just know where empty space is on the field. They do everything, like, theoretically, soundly. I mean, and just if, yeah. if, Oregon's, it's like if every... Oregon's defense out there, there's a lot of empty space. <laughs> it, tur- it turns out turns out that the broad plains of the Wild West are reflected in the Oregon defense. <laughs> Any game involving a offense from the Chris Peterson tree is sort of a it's a negotiation with the defense. Like, oh, you'll 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 give us six yards. Well, we'll just take seven. That's would, fine, right? I would but, say yeah, Oregon. I would say Oregon's running the Oregon. Oregon's the man- terrible in negotiation. The man- <laughs> this, I call this the manifest destiny defense at this point because they're just like take all of the land. Keep going west, <laughs> and then in the second quarter, keep going east. Um, is there anything? I mean, there were there were a lot of forgettable games. On I I, I want to go back to one thing. What one are we thing? Go, are we going it's back? Little, to, are we going back oh, to Rutgers? Shit. No, we're we're going back to Oregon because I just okay. want one like okay. one other thing. Take, take one I more. understand. Like Jeff, Jeff Schwartz was saying this that oh you got to give Helfrich another chance to do this. Uh, do you? Like you got to give him another year. Well, because I, I mean, if you've been through a recent, like, years and years long decline in your team's performance, I'm not saying that 
I necessarily am the person I'm talking about. I am. But if you if you've seen this and you've seen the basic you're, bones of I, how I, things you're go, you're saying you're saying this is the four and eight year, and why are you giving them the year after that? Why are you even thinking about this? Yeah. Unless, I mean, like, if, if the only reason not to is that if you don't have the person you want to hire in mind. Yeah. You don't. Which is tricky for Oregon because it's easy to say, okay, this dude ain't getting it done. You know, shut off the 40-year coaching lineage now. Okay, where are you going? You can't hire Chris Peterson. He's already been taken. He's already building something. Um, you could go get Boise State's coach. Now you look like you're just following in Washington's footsteps, and now you're another step behind Washington, uh, even you know, even though they, they have a good coach who would be a good candidate otherwise. Um, are there any top Pac-12 assistants right now You know, who are, who are looking head coach worthy? Like, probably not really. Like, when you don't really know what anyone in the Pac-12 is good at, maybe like a Utah defensive coordinator, but that doesn't really fit you at Oregon. Uh-huh. Um you could go get Scott Frost from UCF, your former OC, but you're already about to fire a former Oregon OC. Like, isn't that the whole problem here? You have old ideas all over the, you know, the defensive coaching staff. Um, you know, it, it, everything just needs a fresh start. That's not a fresh start. That's just, you know, retrying someone else from an old Chip Kelly staff. And now you're USC if you do that. I just, I, there are no great solutions that are obvious to me. It's, you give Brady Hoke time to fix the defense, which is the saddest thing I've ever said. But oh, that God. feels you, like you, Oregon's you best solution right just, now. You just said that. Wow. I mean, they're, they're like, okay, when he's, Nick Aliotti. He's high on the Falcons being good. That's that's all that's going I'll on. Just say, I'll just say anything right now. Nothing <laughs> can stop me. Like, Nick Aliotti, their longtime defense coordinator, who was awesome. Oregon always, you know, got shit for giving up lots of points. But if you really look at the per play data, they had a great defense, you know, for for Chip Kelly's run and before Chip as well because of that longtime defensive coordinator. Um, he retired in right around when Chip left, right around when Mariota left. So, yeah, the defense is terrible now. You made a bad uh, promotion last year sending up Don Pelham. You made a hire that might not be all that great this year. So far, hasn't worked. And, you know, there was no reason to think it was going to be awesome. But uh, I, it just seems like the best solution to me is you guys got to wait. See if maybe things get better next year because... There's just not an obvious solution. Even like, okay, let's go into FCS. Let's go get Eastern Washington's head coach. Well, he just talked shit about your program a year or two ago when you took Vernon Adams. You know, night. Like, how's that gonna look? I just can, man. Can we... It looked. It looked. It looked just fine. <laughs> <laughs> words. Words are free. Can People we, don't um, this. Words are free. Can we listen? We've been we've been pretty negative on this recap podcast. That's fine. We're all like Spencer and I are pretty pessimistic, and Jason is so chill that he'll just let us be assholes for an hour. Um, Thanks, Jason. I would like to turn this on on ourselves though. I've got our season preview uh, records here. I just want to. I just want to. <laughs> it's already time to go in on I, ourselves. I just want. I just want to. I'm just going to throw. I'm, already... I'm not going to go through all of them, but I want to throw a few out here for you. All right. Uh, Wake Forest three and nine. <laughs> We're sorry. Georgia sorry, Tech. Wake. Georgia Tech ten and two. They've already lost. We did them. We did them first. We didn't have context they, for the rest of our standings. They've already yet. lost yep. three games. Uh, here's one. TCU eleven and one. Mm. That team is butt. That I uh, I talked y'all into that one. I'll take that, that L. That team is total, absolute, butt. Uh, Michigan did, twelve. Michigan twelve and zero still looks pretty on track. Uh, Michigan State eight and four. Not feeling whoops. great about that. Um, um yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm not even gonna. I won't contest that one, but that's not our fault. This one, this one looks totally <laughs> wrong now, but might not be. 
Wisconsin seven and five. I, I'm uh, still, gonna, I'm still, I, I'm still feeling that. pretty good about that. Okay, that's fine. L, um, L number two is coming this weekend. Hey, so. hey, remember those three teams we had at nine and three in the Pac-12 North: Stanford, Washington, Oregon. Whoops. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We had Wazoo also at nine and three at that in this group. So hey, we got one. Right? Fuck us. Um, yeah, because remember, remember what we called that they were going to lose to Eastern yeah. Washington. Right. We have uh, a beat on exactly one out of sixty-six teams that we predicted. It's Washington State. Texas A&M. Yep. Texas A&M. We had six and six. Hmm. Well, we did have them going six and zero. Oh. That's true. We're, we had we're them still, starting six and zero. Oh. There's still time. There's still time. Uh, LSU eleven and one. <laughs> that was my fault too. We're, we, guys, guys, we're super. We're super so next, next year when we do this, um, y'all really need to uh, to exercise like the, the 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 final veto because there's two of you. There's only one of me. I didn't even talk about Texas. Texas nine and three, which I that's fine. Was, we're sticking by that. I was very on record as being nah. strongly against. No, nah, no, nah. stand stand fast. We'll make it. We're we're still fine there. Okay. Yeah, I, I I will go ahead and also state that our erroneous pick on LSU, um, yeah, that's the worst. That's the dumbest. Like and now in retrospect, you just go, oh yeah, they were they weren't going to score. Although the loss to Wisconsin is still baffling, still baffling to me. I just every every team in the Big Twelve, with the exception of Iowa State. And West Virginia has played exactly five games. And Texas has given up more points than all of them. <laughs> Kansas has Kansas one and four Kansas has given up 165 points. Two and three Texas has given up thirty-three points more than that. Hmm. Good God. I like that Gary Patterson and Char- Charlie Strong now run stereotypical Big Twelve teams. Who would have ever thought that would happen? It's just like the Big Twelve got into their bloodstream. You, you, it'll take anyone. Like the like. This is probably the reason Nick Saban never went to Texas because he hey. just realized, like, no, I can't play that shit. I can't listen, be giving up forty five points a week. Listen, Texas, it's not going to be cheap, and it's not going to be easy. But if you want a guy who can win close defensive battles, Kirk Ferentz just beat Minnesota fourteen seven. Dave Clawson. Mm. Dave Clawson to Texas. I mean, Iowa will fight you for him. They really will. That's the sad thing. Like, if they if Texas came after Ferentz as a joke, like, hell no, boys. Let's just see what happens. Let's see if they'll shell out a little more money. <laughs> so for they, do they do this to try to get Greg Davis? Yeah, that's, that... <laughs> that's it. Bring yeah. Greg back. We'll, we'll, we'll bid for both of you, and Iowa bankrupts their state. Like, no! $40 million a year. Tax and all the corn subsidies he's extended through 2078. <laughs> we gave him a third of our territory. We don't know why. <laughs> Just love that man. Oh, how did Iowa do this weekend? Oh, yeah. An unwatchable 14-7 win over Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. They got Floyd or Rosedale, though. On the- Floyd, Floyd should be real. I still insist that Floyd should be a pig. Strapping but- <laughs> <laughs> like mascot. Yeah, I mean, how hard is it to keep a pig happy? Just take him to one place or the other; he'll be fine. Players walking off with the pig on their shoulders. Exactly right. The pig, the pig would listen. Pigs are smart; they know what's up. They're like, "You're taking me away from this football game." Yes, yes. I feel like this is all a shot at Bobby Petrino somehow. (laughs) Every everything is. Do we? I would like to discuss two other games very quickly before we. Yeah, I know. I know. Burn it off. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. Uh, one, 
Florida State, Miami, kind of an uneventful game. This was not, it was not, um, it wasn't what I wanted out of, I don't know what I wanted out of this game, but it wasn't this. Uh, it did have a comical ending, though, which is Miami tying it up, in theory, with the extra point kicked and then missing that extra point. It was, per FSU Miami law, it ended with a nicknameable kick. And I'm, I'm told they're calling it the block at the rock because Miami Stadium is hard rock stadium now. Which the problem with that is it suggests that Miami Stadium will keep the same name for more than three years. Yeah, this you're going to have to change the name of that. This is a stadium that not too long ago was named after Jimmy Buffett's beer, I believe. So, mm-hmm. I would love to go back and retroactively name periods in Miami history after their hypothetical sponsor <laughs> so that the 91 game could be like the Big Dogs t-shirt game, right? <laughs> Yeah, the the Al Golden years were like the the Pitbull Pitbull Stadium area, Pitbull is, Park. Why is this called the Hummer Gas Mileage? But fuck it, we don't care. Stadium. It's amazing. Well, well, yeah, this you just go back to like the '80s where it's just Pablo Escobar Stadium. Like, wow, how did you name it, Pup? We just just named it. He we, he was he was a donor. We didn't like know. Oh, three or so is like TrickDaddyThug.com Park. Welcome to the Narcos Dome. There's no ceiling. Does it matter? <laughs> we called it that. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the the block at the rock. Hard Rock though is an appropriate sponsor because remember it's the Hard Rock and I believe Seminole Casino that's doing the sponsoring here. So excellent. Remember, uh, you can't be involved in gambling if you're an NFL owner, but you can be a donor in college. It's cool. <laughs> well, it's also good because if you in the same way if you see a Miami fan, if you see someone wearing a Hard Rock shirt, you're like, cool. I like them in 1994 as well. Yeah. Oh, one other note from this game. Uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, just 150 yards, 27 carries. He's fine. Yeah, just proving for the second year in a row he's better than Christian McCaffrey. That's cool. Yeah, that's fine. Still won't get the Heisman because he, he I didn't have to, He didn't have to do that. Hmm? I knew yeah, it. I mean, one of a- them was still in Heisman top fives up until last week, even after Washington uh, ate his heart out on TV. Was it Dalvin Cook? Nope, it wasn't. I'm afraid it wasn't. Oh, no, man. it was. It was actually the white guy. You'll never believe this, but a white <laughs> white athlete is overrated. Wait, this is again. We're we're getting closer and closer to that ideal American society where we're like, yeah, the white athlete counter overrated. The game provides this provides a segue to the game I wanted to talk about, which would be Washington Michigan Rutgers. Yeah, Washington State Stanford. Which, good God. If you like, I this is I thought last week was a blip for Stanford because they will do this from time to time. Mm-hmm. They'll just, hey, I don't know, they're, they're sleepy from all that geniusing, they're they're torpid from that happy life in Narnia, a literal dorm at Stanford, and they just botch a game like the Northwestern game in 2015. Stayed up That's, too late reading Aristotle, y'all. Nothing wrong with it. I know. What, what What were you doing? How did you, I get this crazy streak going on Civ? He's playing Civilization and just, hmm? man. Yeah. Oh, Jason perks up. <laughs> you said Northwestern and you lost me for a second, but now. Yeah. yeah, you play, you're, you're playing this right now, aren't you? You're playing a game of Civ. If you do not know, Jason Kirk, a Civilization. Are you on five or six? What is the, the game? Uh, six isn't out yet. John Boyce and I are, um, eagerly watching uh, preview videos once a week or so and, and, and taking notes on on uh, on on new new sieves but yeah. that's right it, so it, sometimes they just play a little too much civilization and don't show up for a game that doesn't happen two weeks in a row usually 
with Stanford under David Shaw. Somebody said the meanest thing I have seen, uh, Ben Muth writes for Football Outsiders and a couple of other people, former linemen for Stanford. He said, wow, this looks like a Walt Harris team. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Um, Jesus. That's, which that's I, think a, we, I think that's what we said after the Washington game, too. too well, so. Yeah, this Walt Harrisness and Buddy Tevens-ish behavior just continuing because Stanford's offensive line sucks. They're, they're real not good. Their defensive line, real not good as well because they let Washington State, I know, running the ball a little bit more, they, they let Washington State run for over 100 yards, which is like letting anyone else run for over 300 That's on you. That's a huge improvement for, from what Oregon did. How dare you? I know. <laughs> is the whole Pac-12 North, like we've, we've joked about this for a few weeks, everyone trading identities, but maybe it's just specific to the Pac-12 North. If you play Stanford, you have Stanford's powers, you're able to run the ball. You have you dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides. If you play Oregon, you get you get Oregon's powers. You get to run up the fucking score. You get to go on a 35 to three third quarter sprint. Like it 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 it's uh I guess it's like Mega Man or something when you beat a boss and you get his powers. I don't know. I'm excited. Well, I, think... I am excited for the Stanford Oregon game though because <laughs> oh, because why? because both teams have plummeted at the same time and sort of. At the same in, rate, in similar, yeah, in, in, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That by the time we get to that game, it will be, it, it, it will be Sanford fans saying, "Well, if we can't beat this fucking bullshit Oregon team," and it will be Oregon fans saying, "Well, if we can't beat these this piece of shit no offense Stanford team," and by definition, one of them won't, and that's why I love this game. Luke Falk in this game. Uh, Luke Falk is brilliant. Threw for three hundred and fifty seven yards, four TDs. Threw two two pick through two picks, but I don't know, man. If you're if you're under the number of TDs you throw in a Mike Lynch offense in terms of your interceptions, you're fine, right? As long as you break yeah, even. Sure. Right. Uh, as long as you don't have a broken leg, you're fine. Yeah, which is the thing with Falk that I don't know. Like most Mike Leach quarterbacks, he's going to finish this looking like a, a World War One pensioner in a Memorial Day parade. He will have he will have the bandage over his head. He will have uh, some limp, maybe multiple limps going on, but keeps throwing touchdowns. And they were they dominated at the defensive line. That's the other thing. Washington State sneakily good defensive lines, thanks to Joe Salavea, goes gets many Polynesians from from the region to come and play excellent defensive line, and is also just a good defensive line coach. Period, as well as a recruiter. Uh, kind of an underrated little part of their operation up there. So, yeah, uh, as everyone predicted, Washington State somehow now just clicking on all cylinders and playing like menacing defense along the defensive line and, and headed for, um, I think what we can say, at least a bowl game? Like, maybe more than that? Sure, sure. Because um, I, I mean, you, what... they're, they're undefeated in the Pac-12. Yeah, their only losses are to what, the Two conference, two potential conference champions. Don't ask which conferences. But yeah. I think what we're staring down the barrel of is um, the Apple Cup is going to be really important this year. Um, eight years after the infamous Crapple Cup, the Apple Cup will probably have playoff implications, Power Five division implications, maybe a, maybe the Rose Bowl as well. Like, what if we have Washington playoff, Washington State in the Rose Bowl? Like, the Apple Cup matters. This is, I just this I just is the figured. most 2016 fact of them all. I just figured this out. Washington's this year's Mississippi. That's so disrespectful to Washington, I feel like. <laughs> what? They got, they, my oh, Washington. the state of Washington with, with, with the 
two teams that start oh, hot. Oh, hot. okay, no that's fine. I uh, thought you meant Washington was Ole Miss and be like, no, their defense is, you know, way more, <laughs> and they can run the ball. This is this is fucking rude. Um, this is all I want to say about South Carolina, Georgia, and please let us send it after this. Uh, I will give each of you a hundred dollars if you can name me a Power Five team that has thrown fewer touchdowns than South Carolina. Thrown. I want to emphasize passing. Hmm. A power and a power five. Power five, yeah. So I can't I can't cheat and go to like army. Okay. Boston College? Army is correct, but you're right. But they're they're not, not power five. Um uh, let's just do a little math here real quick. Boston College has almost four times as many passing touchdowns as South Carolina. Try again. Mm. I'll give you as many must, tries as you want. Must mm. be four to one. I was gonna uh, guess I was gonna guess Eastern Michigan, but they're good this year, so no. They're also they're... not power five, but we got um, we got oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. get you a list of which the conferences are. <laughs> nope, nope. Just gonna keep making wrong guesses here. Uh Georgia Tech? Let's see. Georgia Tech twice as many. <laughs> oh my god. Twice <laughs> as no... twice as many on on fewer than half as many pass attempts. The answer is none. The answer is that through six oh, games, trickery. South Carolina has thrown the ball two, almost 200 times, has two touchdowns and three interceptions. Hey, <laughs> I, it's, hey, it's Will Buschamp. I have, and I have such a like, because I know that there's a contempt, like in this experiment, I want to isolate for pure Muschamp contagion, but I know that, that this entire sample is contaminated by Steve Spurrier giving up on recruiting, like, I don't know, three years ago? Right. Two yeah. years ago. So I can't solely blame Will Muschamp for this. But also, this looks like every other Will Muschamp team I've ever seen. Okay, but let's let's be fair. You know, the, it, passing is only one part of the offense. You can also run the ball. Um, I will give each of you $100 if you can name me two. This time you have to do two Power 5 teams that run for fewer yards per carry than South Carolina does. I'll go again. Start with Boston College. Oh boy, uh, let's just let's just search that. Uh no, Boston College is a healthy about half a yard ahead of uh, South Carolina in this measure. So good try, but no. Mm. Mm. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Let's just control F that. Oh no, they're 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 uh, they're a full yard and a half over. My, Kentucky's my. got some, uh, Kentucky's got some good running backs. So that that's uh, Vandy. Vanderbilt, show me Vanderbilt. No, I'm sorry, they're not great, but they're still miles ahead of South Carolina. Oh, uh, the answer is they're not two. There is one. It's UCLA. <laughs> yes. U- <laughs> UCLA just barely Holy behind shit. South Carolina's 3.01 yards per carry. That's amazing. Having watched um, probably about like eight minutes of UCLA all year, that's yeah. that's 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 awesome. After they have. You know, maybe the most talented quarterback in the country, yep. non like Lamar Jackson division, um, and they're, they added a fullback and a tight end and all that, and they still can't run the ball. That's that's very good. 